Howdy, friends. Welcome back to Experience Design with Tony Dosat. I happen to be Tony Dosat. Whether this is your first time tuning in or you've come back for more, I want to thank you for joining me. And if you find value in what you're hearing, please do take a moment to subscribe and leave a review. It's always greatly appreciated. And with that, what do you say we jump into the interview? Okay, we are here with the Amy Huff. Amy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. And before we get started on sort of topics to dig into, why don't you inform us all a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today and where are you today? So uh, currently, I'm the director of product for Hilton Honors at Hilton, which is awesome. Uh, I'm back to kind of a traditional product role, which is what I've always done. Mm. I actually started back in the day at a company called One and Only in customer service. I was just finishing college, and it was purchased and became Match.com. Oh, no kidding. And so managing the customer service team is how I ended up being in product because we built everything from scratch at Match. So we had an in-house built customer service tool that I was always complaining didn't work the way we needed it. We had five or six screens open, and I need this information on this screen, and it would help us a lot if we could do all these things. And we finally stood up a product practice at Match, and they said, you know this is a job, right? So why don't you become the sort of product person over customer service and back-end services? So I helped also manage what we would now have as APIs, but back in the day were kind of web services and how we made connections and how we brought in data, um, and then just worked my way to doing customer-facing product work. So That's really interesting. Yeah. Are you leading a design effort or is it more product management now? It's more product management. We're standing up pods for a product system. So it's sort of like product families and within those families there are smaller pods. They're looking at having very small triads is sort of how they refer to them. So Uh it's a designer, a product lead, and then a solutions architect. And I'm the product lead, but within that, I have smaller teams underneath me. So we work very closely on with the XD team, which is an actual designer, um, a UXA, and a copywriter. Got it. So I am removed a little bit from the design process compared to what I was in the past. So that's taking a little bit of getting used to. Mm-hmm. But I am kind of enjoying having this broader strategic view compared to, I think, what I was doing when I was at Bottle Rocket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the size of Hilton and then what's the size of your team? I'm not even sure how big Hilton is <laughs> when you figure in all of the global properties and employees. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's huge. My team alone is distributed across the country. So we, Oh, really? Yeah. We have offices in um, McLean, Virginia. We have offices in Memphis and then here in Dallas, in addition to sort of, you know, more broader global offices. So my team is in one of those three places. Mm. And then we have people who work remote. So we have front end devs who are in Minnesota, Arkansas, California, and then Arizona. No kidding. Yeah. And I I guess it's a global brand. So it makes sense that there's people all over. Um, So that is a little bit more difficult to structure. Yeah. Then, you know, let's just all get together and have a conversation. It requires a lot more organization to do those things. What a nice segue. Because <laughs> that's what I wanted to talk about was organization. And it's something I've 
candidly, it's something I've been thinking a lot about because at the workplace, I'm fairly organized in my systems and my to-dos, if you will. At home, I'm it's like I'm a wreck. And it doesn't help that I have like two little tiny toddlers, mm -hmm. but it made me think more broadly about organization. So considering you do have people everywhere and it is such a massive company, how do you, I mean, it sounds daunting to me. Is it a daunting? It is a little bit, in part because we are going through this digital transformation and uh -huh. trying to reconstruct how we work and be agile and be more flexible and be more nimble. But knowing you have a huge ship and how can you turn that and react. But even more importantly, fundamentally, I believe in collaboration. And I believe the only way to move things forward is if you're all in agreement on how to do that. Yeah. And maybe agreement's the wrong word, but you're all aligned in how you will do that. You have mm. all agreed to move forward. Mm -hmm. Whether or not you like that plan could be different. You have all agreed to it. And that is where I'm struggling a little bit how to make sure everybody has a voice that can be heard, particularly when that might be over some kind of electronic messaging system, mm. via email, via conference calls, and having people feel like they can speak up and that they have a voice. One of the ways we do that is we often have co-locations where we will all get together as a team. But I found we were really struggling around process. And so I just called an audible and said, I think this is important enough that we need to all get together. And as many of us that as can will come together, meet, and let's talk about this. Let's get at the whiteboard. Let's figure it out. And what does that mean for the rest of the people who couldn't get here? Get as close as you can. So we had sort of a hub here and a hub in Memphis. And then a couple of people just had to, you know, web call in. Mm -hmm. But it required a fair amount of when can we do that? How do we do that? How long is it going to be? What are we going to talk about? We only have a set amount of time. So being pretty strict and disciplined in what we absolutely had to cover and what were sort of stretch goals to cover. And if we're talking about collaboration, how do I put this? When something needs to get done, you know how to do it. You know how long it's going to take you, presumably. You can bang it out. However, leaning on someone else to do it and bolstering them to do it and helping them do it is important to the process, to their growth, to your growth. It's hard for me sometimes to do that. How do you do that? Practice. Yeah. So back in my last lives, I wasn't good at that. I felt like the only way to get things done was if I did it. And I would ask people to do it. They wouldn't do it how I wanted or how I thought it should be done. Yeah. So therefore it wasn't done right. Yeah. Um, I would do that at home and at work. Mm. Neither of which is good, right? right. <laughs> um, so I learned by getting some feedback that this isn't helpful. You know, we want to learn how to do more. We want to have more responsibility. So learning how to manage teams and people is something you have to practice at and learn mm -hmm. how to do. I think people sometimes get rewarded for longevity or as sort of a, we think you did a good job, so we'll give you more responsibility mm. without taking the time to recognize, do they have the tools they need to be successful? I feel like part of my job is to help organize the people underneath me to make sure that they have the things that they need and to partner with them in terms of what can I give you to be successful? Is it 
um, literal advice? Is it writing tickets? Is it having a conversation? What can I do to get whatever is blocking you out of your way and let you do it however you think it needs to be done? Yeah. And then only stepping in if there is an actual problem. There was a gap in requirements. There was a miscommunication. There were ruffled feathers in the way that information was shared. But otherwise, recognizing that just because it isn't how I would do it doesn't mean it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And I personally have found that to be a very difficult thing to do and overcome, but I think I've gotten more successful. Letting go is big. Do you ever really let go 100% or is there part of it that you still hold on to keeping tabs, you know? Yeah, for sure. I do. And then I try to, as I feel myself getting anxious about something potentially, why is this bothering me? Why do I feel like this is a problem? Um, Is it an actual problem? Is it just that I don't have control over it? And therefore, that's what's giving me anxiety. Not that there's something external, but it's internal. Um, And just having that break in moment to sort of be like, okay, this isn't real. And I think that's where organization is important is to also understand that not everything is important and to let things go that aren't important. Mm. Because if you try to hold on to everything, inevitably something is going to drop. So you just need to be sure to drop something that doesn't really matter. And to be clear about personally or professionally, what are the things that matter? Because at any given time, you're going to have to decide between those two things. Pick your battles, really. How do you pick a battle? Uh, or measure the importance of something. Because what might be important to you might not be to somebody else and vice versa. Yeah. It depends on whatever is important and urgent at the moment. Mm. For a long time, my importance was always on work or professional growth. Before I had my daughter, I would often work very long hours. I would have calls, do whatever I needed. And just if I even had a date with my husband or we had plans, I would automatically be like, well, we can't do that because I have work. And obviously that is more Mm. important. And as I had my daughter, that's not necessarily true. She's seven now, and I'm shocked at how quickly seven has gotten here. And there were still times when she was little that I was still prioritizing work and profession over her. And I had to make a conscious decision that my family is my highest priority. And Calvin, the founder of Bottle Rocket, when we sort of started here, he set us down in our, um, it was sort of an orientation. Mm -hmm. And he said, if your values are clear, then priorities become clearer. And it struck me, but I had never really thought about it. And I wasn't always into kind of those inspirational sort of things. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's kind of hokey. But it sort of started to kind of settle into my bones, and I realized that's very true. If I'm saying my daughter is most important, but I'm choosing consistently to be here 12 hours a day, is that really true? Mm. Or is it something I'm just saying? Um, So starting to learn how to live that practice. And sometimes here is going to be more important and just being very upfront with her. This is a rough week. Mommy's going to have to be at a lot of work things, but that doesn't mean I don't love you and you're not important. And let's figure out how we can make that time up this weekend. Or, you know, can we get up a little bit earlier in the morning? Just, is there something we can do if you feel like you aren't getting enough time? That's huge. Yeah. And also you're battling against the stigma of being a female that works, works a nine to five job that takes up a lot of your time. And it's unfortunate because, you know, there's these things like 
hashtag mom boss mm -hmm. and all this stuff. It's like, why can't it just be boss? Yeah, because the world doesn't see you that way. As much as we want to say that, it's not true. And I think if we were super candid and honest, I think people might judge men if they say, I have to leave at three o'clock to take my kid right? to the dentist regularly. Right. Um, women say it and we kind of roll our eyes and it's like, well, yeah, she's a mom, but it's sort of expected. I think we are not fair in allowing men that same sort of flexibility. Right. Um, but at the same time, men have had a lot of opportunities that if women demand those same things are very different. Mm. I don't think we're doing a good job holistically when you get to larger organizations in terms of being flexible that maybe you don't have kids, but you have a parent that you need to take care of. Mm. Maybe you have you know, your own struggles that you just need to spend more time somewhere sometimes. Yeah. I think we need to just trust people, have stuff that they have to do outside of work, and that doesn't mean their work isn't getting done, to just be more flexible with people in general. Um, and I'm finding that to be more true than I think it was in the past. I do too. Are you getting it done? Yeah. You, The AIS, asses and seats yes. mentality, it used to just rule the roost. And I think that's sorting, sort of starting to fade away at most places or the places that people want to be at. You know what it is? We have this idea that a great work culture is about beanbags, ping pong tables, you know, the the floating in a salt bath egg. Have you heard of that? Like no. the you, your, uh, uh, suspension pod? Oh, oh. In like salt water or something? That all these things equal the culture people are looking for. But I don't think great work culture has anything to do with that stuff. I think it's fun and icing on the cake. But it's it's the things like, what do you value? And I value that you value that. Yes. Yes, I think that's true. I uh, have worked at some places where that was valued more than others. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I really enjoyed about my time at Bottle Rocket is that we got to be part of other people's cultures a little bit. Um, to yeah. see how other people worked. And one of the places that really stuck with me was Chick-fil-A. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about that since knowing we kind of wanted to talk a little bit about my background and things around organization a little bit. Yeah. Um, it brought me to what I liked about Chick-fil-A and what I like about Hilton is that they're both about hospitality in some way mm. and graciousness and valuing your guests' experience and making sure you're a good host which coming from the Midwest and living in the South is just sort of intrinsic to my nature, mm -hmm. um, that it can be, what I like about it is basically it makes space for automatically somebody else is just as important as you are or more important than you are. That if you're thinking about somebody else's hospitality, thinking about their stay, thinking about their job, thinking about their visit, that means that you're spending a lot of time thinking about something that doesn't start with I or me. Mm -hmm. You're automatically putting their experience as top of mind. And when that happens at a company, it's amazing because you're the beneficiary of that. Right. That Hilton really does see themselves as wanting to be sort of this light of hospitality in the world. And that in includes their employees. And they make sure that you have the ability to thrive. And I saw that at Chick-fil-A as well, that... Even when we came in as sort of a third party, they really welcomed us as an extension of their work mm. family. And 
would kind of give space for, this has been a little bit of a tense meeting and I don't think we're ready to really talk about some of these things. So let's just go to dinner and let's just regroup and let's just have fun and we'll come back fresh tomorrow. That they, you know, we're paying a fair amount of money for us to be there and to have these meetings, but recognizing as humans, we just need to take a step back and just mm-hmm. have breathing and we'll regroup and that's totally fine. And that's gonna get us where we need to be in the long run. And I really, I think that's important and not to just push to get to a certain end, but how you're doing that when you're building a work culture and an organization is incredibly important Yeah. because you might get to the same results, but whether or not people want to continue there afterwards could be very different depending on how you had that journey. With Hilton, I can imagine, or any, any hotel or hospitality entity, if it doesn't start at home at home being their offices Mm -hmm. and employees, how can they possibly imagine to bring that sort of hospitality to guests? Yeah. And it sounds like they're doing it. Yeah, exactly. And it started when I started with my recruitment and they were always, is this, you know, it's pretty standard. Is this a good time for you? What's important to you? When I was dealing with the recruiter, I felt like I got a great representation of the culture because he, at any point, if you feel like something is unfair or you feel like you're leaving something behind, I want you to bring that to me. I don't want you to start a new job feeling like you're giving something up. I don't want you to come here and have anything but excitement and feel like I'm starting fresh and I'm getting everything that I want and this is gonna be a great start. Just setting you up to succeed from day one is huge. Yeah. Uh, I think that's where organizations and organization um, is very important when you start people. What's expected of me to the point of, are you flexible? For the first few weeks, it would be great if you could be here between nine and four as our core hours. Um, There are some meetings that we have this week that are going to start at 8.30. You're not expected to always be here at 8.30, but for Mm. this seven days you are. Um, Just setting you up to sort of so you start to see the process and you kind of know how things are going to work from the beginning. I've had a few starts where nothing was clear. You didn't know what the culture was. You didn't know how to do anything. You I've started places I didn't even know where the ladies room was Um, I'm like uh, do do we talk here do I need to send you an email I don't understand how do I get things going so I think thinking about those things even just basic things are great and just how you can do that when you set up your day when you set up your team when you set up your project Mm. just what are the basics you need to get yourself sorted and moving God, has time flown by with you? (laughs) That's what happens when you get somebody that's really cool behind the chair. (laughs) Well, before I get to my last question, where can people find you if you want to be found? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, just under Amy Huff. Uh, I'm on Instagram as Amy Huff, and so you can usually find me in those two places. Awesome. And you do your daily outfit. I do, in part because... Right. It's my little organizational system. That's why I had a feeling. You you know, OCD gets thrown around a little bit, and I don't want to be insensitive. But do you ever go, maybe I'm a little OCD? A little bit. And I, you know, I'm okay with that. Yeah. But I do find myself 
that I can be a little anxious if things aren't sorted out. And I don't want to spend my time standing in front of my closet on a Tuesday morning when I'm trying to rush and get the kid out the door because we spend some fun time in the mornings. We watch a little Disney and we snuggle and we eat breakfast. And I have to find good moments with her when I can find them. So if that means on Sunday night, I just plan out roughly what I'm going to wear and then I don't have to worry about it. I just go put on whatever Tuesday's outfit is. And I do that with her too because I would find myself fighting with her in the morning about what we wanted to wear and she doesn't want to wear this. So on Sunday or Saturday, we go up and she has her little hooks and we pick out what she's going to wear for the week. And then I don't care. Go pick out whatever you put on your hooks and then you're done and we don't have to have fights. Amy, I'm going to do this because, again, my my home is different than my work and it needs to not be because it gives me anxiety. Yeah. And I, I mean, kudos to you for being able to pick out stuff that are on hangers because mine are from my clean clothes I just washed the night before because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm out of this and this. The hanging every day, this is what at least the kids are going to wear because that's insane. Mm-hmm. And then it's there and it's done. Yeah. So here's the super secret. Behind my closet door is a towel bar. And I just hang my stuff up there. So I close the closet door and my clothes are hanging up there. there. They're out of the way. Yeah. And for her, she has cute little hangers. We put hang them up. I'm obsessed. Yeah. It's it's awesome. And they have some autonomy, right? Like they get to pick. Yeah. Yeah. And it shows them. I mean, and they can get anxiety too with picking things because, you know, they're kids. Yeah. Okay. Last question I ask every guest. What non-digital thing that you own has had the most impact on your life or means the most to you and why? Non-digital thing. Well, so I'm a big reader. So I would have to go with some of my books. I have a couple of books that are kind of a go-to that I really like to read. But otherwise, I've kind of thought about that from the perspective of what if there's a fire? What's the thing that I would take? Yeah, right. And I've tried to minimize what would give me anxiety if it was left. So I think I would grab a couple of books and my stuffed bear that I've had for 25 years. Oh, really? As Marie Kondo would say, it sparks joy. It does, yeah. You watch Marie Kondo? She kind of drives me a little nuts. Oh, does she? She, You would think I would love it, but she drives me a little nuts. (gasps) Oh, that's fascinating. I could go on for another half hour about digging into that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for coming in, Amy. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I've loved it. I can't wait to have you back. Anytime. All right, friends. With that, we will call it a week. Again, I want to thank my guest and thank you for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and if you did, don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening. Also, if you want to look behind the scenes and have even more design goodies in your face and in your ears, you can follow Experience Design on Instagram at xdpodcast. Until next time, friends. Stay curious. Experience Design with Tony Dosett is part of XD Media, LLC. All opinions are my own and do not reflect those of my current or former employers. Hosting and publication of the podcast is through Buzzsprout.